the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The VO Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody. I am super excited for our guest today because she's not only an incredible actress with decades of experience in the voice acting industry, she's also a dear friend and mentor of mine. Since 1981, Katie Lee has been a part of the Los Angeles voiceover community, starring in such Emmy Award-winning fan-favorite hits as Muppet Babies as Baby Rolf, Darkwing Duck as Honker Muddlefoot, Richie Rich as the titular character Richie, Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears as Sunny Gummy, Totally Spies as Alex, and many, many more. In 1987, she took on the role of Connie Kendall in the worldwide radio show Adventures in Odyssey, a role she has continued ever since. More recently, she supplied her voiceover talents to such high-profile projects as Lego Star Wars, The Padawan Menace as Han Solo, and the new Tom and Jerry, and Rainbow Butterfly Unicorn Kitty as Athena the Owl. In 2015, Katie took on her first voice directing job with the award-winning radio play Rex Tanner and the Sword of Damocles. She has directed several cartoon series and film trailers since. She has an extensive background in ADR, which includes supplying the voice for the Maharaja and Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Katie is best known for her fantastic children, teen, and character voices, but she can sound like a grown-up too, guys. A frequent guest on nostalgic podcasts, convention guest, and public speaker, she also coaches up-and-coming animation voice actors through her online workshops and private sessions. She is also co-host with Will Ryan of the brand-new web show Tell You Later, as well as co-author with Will of Adventures in Oddity. She's going to be doing several talks during the One Voice conference, including Being Real in Cartoons, a paid workshop for getting more out of your reads. She's going to be featured in the Going Behind the Graphics with Voice Cast of Video Games and Animation panel. And she's going to be leading more workouts, animated character workouts on Sunday, as well as It's Time to Get Animated, the basics of voiceover for cartoons and video games, which is going to be held on Friday, August 27th. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming... Katie Lee. How are you doing, Katie? Thank you so much. Yeah, that was an amazing introduction. You're an incredible writer. I've never heard. Can I have a copy of that? Will you send me a copy of what you said, please? I will, as soon as I'm done editing this podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's so great to have you, Katie. How did you come to be involved with One Voice? Oh, well, uh, J. Michael asked me if I wanted to come, and I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. A logical answer. <laughs> um, sometimes he'll, uh, I help him coach some of his animation people uh, who are making animation demos. He asked me if I wanted to come do it, and I said, sure. He said, do you want to do a little presentation? And I said, sure. I want to go to a conference because I miss everybody. And next thing I know, I've got four slots on the schedule. It's about to say, in for a penny. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> yes. Seems that way. Okay, J. Michael, I want to go on one of your European retreats. <laughs> Please. That sounds like fun, huh? Yeah, he took you for your word. I'll, I'll tell you what. But let's talk about that. I mean, obviously, there's this theme of, of animation and video game characters, which I know a lot of people want to pursue. They want to get into it. So 
I know with things like the panel, we don't know exactly what's going to be discussed, but what are some, some general tips for people or that you'd like to give for people who want to pursue character work? Who want to pursue animation. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, number one, it's going to require more energy than you think. So get healthy, get uh, strong. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a sport, I think. It's kind of, uh, people are always surprised when they take my workshops. I tell them, if you're not sweating by the end, you're not doing it right. So <laughs> um, that's, you know, it's not always the case, but there is a lot of energy. Uh, and I can't seem to stop talking loud in my life, on and off the mic. So it just kind of carries through. Uh, although, yeah, you need your downtime too. So there's energy. Uh, you want to be good at improv. Improv classes, I think, are really important. When I started in voiceover and especially in animation, I found that most of the people had improv backgrounds. Um, ADR, too. I've done a lot of ADR, like you mentioned, and all those people were improv actors because you're watching the screen and making stuff up as you go a lot of the time if you're in a wallet group. Um, so there's that. Listening is really important, more important than talking, because that's where you get your you know, information. Listen for the way people talk. Listen to their accents. Try to, that's, you know, and then try to, to imitate those. There's nothing new under the sun. Read your Bible. And, uh, yeah, you get, you know, it, there isn't. Everything we create comes from some input we got from somewhere else. So that's why I also tell people to watch. Watch how other people stand how they hold themselves when they speak, because that body language informs how the voice comes out and how you present yourself and your attitude. It, it all plays a part. There's all these little components. It's like baking a cake that come into creating what I call voicinalities, because you're not just creating voices. It's a voice plus a personality. So especially like when people come to me and they, they want to do boy voices, because I've been known to do a lot of boy voices in my life. And so they think that I could teach them how to do it. But part of it is uh, sometimes I'll just say, hey, go watch Sandlot. Go watch the movie because, you know, it's one thing to do a voice, but it's you also have to be able to embody that character and their 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 mental state, their emotional state, their physicalness. You know, if you do kids voices, you've, you've got to remember that their lungs are smaller than ours, so they're going to breathe differently. Um, and, and I think if we watch the whole actors or People, go to the playground, you know, see people. It gives you ideas of the voicinalities that you can create. I love it. And something that you've that you've taught me or that at least really solidified, because a lot of a lot of voiceover coaches and like a lot of the, the literature out there is like physicalize the character. But like it's really hard to conceptualize that without doing it. But working with you, like you've literally taught your students to physically embody the character they're trying to portray. And one of the thing that I love is that this this idea of listening and watching to, to kind of understand how people act and identifying personality types and stuff like that. A lot of people come into animation and video games with the idea of 
being exaggerated and over the top and artificial and all this modulation. Like, I can sound crazy, you know. But this idea of being real in cartoons is more prescient now than ever before. So can, can you talk about what it means to, to be, to draw from authenticity, even for, for fictional work like cartoons and video games? Yeah, I named my, I titled, had to come up with a title for my, my workshop at the conference. And it's, it says, being real question mark i don't know if you read it that way being real in cartoons because people think that cartoons are just like crazy silly exaggerated but there has to be some reality for the character to be a character that we can relate to it's one thing to just talk real funny but then there's also an emotional life and and that character is in a scene Something's going on. We have to relate to the situation with a sense of reality. But what makes a lot of animated characters funny is they overreact mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. things. It's it's bigger, but the but the sense like their fear. You know, when you hear an animated running away, kind of it's like. Ah, ah, ah! In real life, we might not scream like that, but the sense of fear, or urgency is is palpable. And if you don't feel in your feeler, you know, the reality of the situation, our ears hear it. Our ears are like lie detectors. And and you can hear if somebody's just ah, running away or ah, 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 you know, there's a different sense of of <laughs> that that the character is experiencing a real situation but reacting that character's way. Does that make sense? Yeah, so the energy may be exaggerated, but the emotion comes from a believable point. Exactly, because that's how we relate. There's characters, I mean, we wouldn't relate to animated characters if they didn't have three dimensions to them, if they didn't have something that, oh yeah, I've been in that situation, or I know how it feels, you know, I can see that they're really sad, or they're really happy. I, you know, and me as an observer, I can relate to that emotion. And it's funny because of the way they do it. You know, if you have a character who's absolutely overjoyed because they found a pickle on the street, well, that's an absurd situation. But we know what it feels like to be really happy to find something that we like. The funniness is that it's they're excited about a pickle. That's awesome. One thing that I noticed that people who do this naturally is they have an almost unapologetic self-confidence and and that's something that i encourage all people to have is just like don't be worried that you're gonna look silly or sound stupid or something like that you can't because we can hear those nerves we can hear that uncertainty in your read and in fact in order to do animation you have to be big look silly and sound stupid so those are the requirements so that's the job description (laughs) so um (laughs) i think you know it's 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 when you're committed to a character, first you have to be committed 100%. A lot of times when I'm coaching people, I find them losing their energy at the end of their line when that's the whole point of what they're saying. If you're not confident, just pretend like you are because that helps a lot. And it's so funny. It That sounds absurd, but it's really true. You know, if you put yourself into the, uh, the body of a character, and and you know how they feel and think 
you lose yourself. There, it's true. You lose yourself in the character to present as a character. Mm-hmm. It's almost like channeling, I guess. I don't know. But people, they get afraid of the mic. I mean, these are just basic things when they're just getting started. I was too. When I heard my voice played back for the first time, I thought I wanted to crawl under a rock. So, you know, you've got to get past that. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing you have to get past. I know for some people that lack of control can be intimidating, but it's like it's actually if you're in the middle of just a really you're connected and you're committed to your choices. It's it's very it's like a runner's high. It's very like liberating to be in that state of flow. You know, on camera actors, if they're venturing into this field, it's that's always less is more. But the, we can't see your face. So you have to do more. More is more. If I raise an eyebrow, I'm doing it with my voice, too, because nobody can see us. And, um, And also what we do gives the animator something to draw. Unless you're doing dubbing, what we do is the information the animators use to draw the characters, mm-hmm. which, you know, so once, once you embody that character and, and have and allow yourself to play and be that character, then you get into, you know, being able to, you need to be able to decorate your words with more than just reading the words on the page, but adding, adding sighs or coughs or laughs or You know, sometimes things aren't written there, but if you can find the humor and the pacing and the the reality of the situation, we all have other sounds we add to our words or pauses like I just did now. Like I said, if you see a an exclamation point at the end of a sentence, something had to have happened before that sentence to make you exclaim something. So you've got to take every sentence as a, as a thought and part of a scene. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. So if there's an exclamation point, I might start my sentence with a gas because something happened and that thought came to me and, and now I'm excited. Something, you know, so we, we, I'm not sure if that answers the question at this point. No, definitely. I, I feel like a lot of a lot of amateur actors and intermediate ones as well really struggle with this idea of analysis and in creating these ideas that make sense to them. Because sometimes they'll look at the script and they're like, oh, everything I need to know is right here. Or they'll look to the director to, in, to inform their interpretation. But when you're auditioning in a vacuum, that doesn't help. Right. You have to be your own director. And that's what's really tough. That's why it's such a wonderful thing that you know, I can share with people because I have 10,000 hours in the studio with other actors. I know what it's like to work with other actors. And I think that's the the biggest thing to get people to try to, and that's why the conference is so great, because you're going to be with other people. You need to be with other people because life is a dialogue. So when, so when you said analyzing a script, people look and say, oh, okay, I have a voice for this character. I see, I can see kind of what they look like. I think maybe she talks like this. Okay, fine. And now I'm reading the lines, but everything I read sounds like this because that's the voice that I picked. And so that's the way she's going to talk. Instead of stopping, because every chunk of dialogue that you have to say, I mean, if if it's in a whole script, then you know what comes before and you know what comes after. If it's just an audition, you've got to 
understand that the the people casting want to hear your range. They want to hear you thinking as the character, and every sentence is a thought, a separate thought. So slow down and think, why am I saying this? How am I feeling about it? How? What's my emotional life right now? How do I feel about the person I'm talking to? This sounds redundant, but my philosophy is learning by doing. So I don't give a lot of lecture. Normally, we'd usually jump in and then I give feedback. You know, I don't, usually it's, I don't believe you. <laughs> Our ears are lie detectors. You know, if you're not really feeling that indecision or doubt or fear or sadness, we won't hear it. So you've, you've got to take the time to connect. It's not just making the voice. Yeah, and that's something that really stood out to me at some of our recent workouts through GVAA was just to separate the lines because each line is a separate context. It really is. It really is. And, 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 you know, we forget. Sometimes we're just tired or we're in a hurry and, oh, I have eight auditions to do before I go to bed tonight. Um, you just speed through it. And you can do that, but understand they're going to get a hundred auditions and somebody's going to take the time to connect. And otherwise it's like you're, you're sending stuff in with missing data, missing ones and zeros, you know, something's not there and you can't always put your finger on it, but when you hear it, and that's what's so much fun doing the, the workshops and if I may say so, working out with me, probably working out with anybody, but it's when you hit that hole in one, when all it's like all everything sinks, everything falls into place, and you're connected, and and we all hear it. It's that intangible, whoa, you know, everybody's just spontaneously thrilled that you found the pocket. And that's what they say. My husband's in a band. He'll say, oh, we're in the pocket. And I think I think that that must be real similar to voiceover. And, and when you said, like, some people have an innate sense, it's true. Some people, unfortunately, are kind of clueless, but they belong in another area of voiceover. And that's fine, but there's a, a sense, like when I started my career, and especially I think it happened, well, in animation and ADR, and all of a sudden I looked around the room and realized all these people see and hear things the way I do. And it's a, it's a tribe. It's a, you know, you can't explain it. But the people, when you when something happens and it's that in the pocket or that everything's lined up, everybody hears it and feels it. And you, you can't explain it. It's just there. That's awesome. I've definitely experienced that working with you. And if you're never, like if you find that you're kind of nervous and this whole animation character stuff still seems very intimidating and mystifying for you, just... Try it. You're not going to know if this is something you want, but you're afraid to pursue. You're never going to know unless you try. Exactly. And like you were saying, getting in the pocket or what I like to call a state of creative flow. Well, that sounds real new age. (laughs) Although the new age is really old age, isn't it? It's like, whoa, what is it now? New age is so like 30 years ago, isn't it? New age is so retro. Serious. Oh, my gosh. Can I quote you? It totally is. Yeah. 
That's awesome. But yeah, it's a very liberating experience. We we、mm-hmm. talked about it. it's almost like a runner's high. The endorphins are going, and you feel like you're like you literally feel connected to something bigger than yourself. Well, what's funny, you know, like when even when you're in the studio and you don't know, you're just, you know, playing and. And all of a sudden, something comes out of you that you never heard before, or you didn't mean to have happen. You know, it's kind of like people who whistle. You know, like sometimes you go to you stick your fingers in your mouth, you whistle, and it's like <laughs> nothing comes out. And then, man! And then all of a sudden, there's this like great whistle. It's like, wow, where did that come from? And 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 you find yourself laughing at yourself. I mean, and that is so much fun because it, you know, voiceover. Can be full of surprises, and fun surprises. <laughs> Wonderful! This has been a masterclass on animation in itself. But what else about the conference are you looking forward to aside from your talks and panels? Well, definitely seeing friends I haven't seen in a long time,、um, and listening to other speakers. I mean, I didn't expect to get scheduled for so much stuff, but hopefully, in between, I'll get to go hear other people talk because. I always take something away from these conferences. I, I, there's always something to be learned, something new, or just you know, an, a thought that never really solidified. You know, sometimes you got to hear things over and over and over again. Sometimes before they sink in, and you know, I've discovered, I've heard other friends of mine who also coach animation. And I, and before I started being a coach, I thought, what am I going to say? You know, it's. This, there's plenty of coaches out there, but sometimes somebody will say something in a way, a different way, where it really makes sense to you and sinks in. So that's why I encourage people to, you know, hear other things because your coach may have told you this, but it didn't quite register, and then you hear somebody else say it, and it's like, oh, okay, that really helps. That really helps. I, you know, there's things I want to work on and improve, and 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 I I hope to get more insight into my own process when I go to this conference. Besides having a fabulous dinner, I've been promised at the awards thing. You know, which is always something to look forward to. Well, that's great, and I wanted to to focus on that. Uh, that idea of education a little bit more, because people might be surprised to hear with, that someone who's been doing this as long as you have still trains and still goes to conferences like this. Oh yeah, I mean now that we're our own studios, there's always technical stuff to learn about. There's、uh, plus we're networking. I mean I have gotten work from people I've met at conferences. I've given work to people I've met at conferences. We we network. We share. We become friends. Because this is a huge networking business anymore, especially if you're not in L.A. or don't have an agent. I mean, pe- most of my work, I think, comes from you know people who know me, or you know, repeat business.、Um, but it's so much about making friends and and being a good person and looking out for other people. I I do use my ears a lot, and I. I do pay, even it's, though it seems like I'm not paying attention. I am paying attention, and I've been able to do a lot of casting and directing lately. And I always refer people to my clients if it's something I can't do. You know, there's people, and I and I've met them. It's it's so much better when you know somebody to refer them for something. 
Um, and so that's that's a big part of the conference is being staying connected to other people who are doing what we do because we're not working together in studio. Um, even I don't know, maybe it's because I, I most of my career's been in LA, but even when I started doing online work and and there's plenty of stuff out there that's animated, so I'm not the only actor, but you know, we'll record separately. And I always want to know, who are the other actors I'm working with? And if I don't know them, I try to look them up because I want to hear the voice I'm playing off of so I don't sound like them or just get an idea. I mean, all that, you know, I think I learned from being in studio. It's, but it, it is, I don't think it's intuitive to people who are just getting started and are on their own. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like we were saying, it's a very isolating form of acting. And I highly, um, like you, I've been to many of these conferences for the last several years, either as an attendee or as a as a podcast guest. And I learn something new every time. And either I make a new friendship, I learn something about how to do, like how to make my editing more efficient, or I learn how to pursue a new genre I didn't know I would be interested in. Exactly. You, it's, it's, it's always worth it, I think. I don't think I've ever gone to a conference and not thought it was worth it. You know, honest to Pete, I was at... Another conference a couple of years ago. Well, yeah, when last time there was an you know in person, and I got a client this year who said, "Oh, I met you at that conference, and and I'm doing this ad, and we need the voice of a bumblebee, and I think you can do it." I- Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at The VO Meter.